You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's Attacking Scrum podcast, uh, part one is what we call fronting up, which is where we have a look at a big issue, but as you'll have noticed from the last couple of weeks, it's descended into a, uh, a rather nice indulgent chat around people's favourite Lions memories. And this week I've got top journalist uh, Charlie Morgan with us to discuss that. Evening, Charlie. Hi, Jess. You all right? Yeah, very good. You? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good stuff. Um, so yeah, we've been, been doing this uh, for a couple of weeks now, and Seemingly, it always just comes back to people's memories of uh, of watching Living with the Lions, which um, is essentially what this is. So it's going to be a fantastic plug for when that DVD does come out. Um, I'm going to start though by asking if you have kind of like your earliest recollection of, of the Lions. What's the the kind of the the first memory? It is in a bar in either Greece or Turkey on holiday with my parents. And yeah. we went to <clears throat> we're in a hotel, and we all sort of got. We also saw there was a trip to go and watch the Lions in a, in a pub down the road. And um, my dad just kind of went, right, we're going to this. I had very kind of little interest in watching uh, international rugby at that point. I was playing it and adored it. But um, this concept of going to actually watch yeah. it was, 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 one, really alien, but really exciting because it was really alien. I had no concept of what the Lions were. I think I'd... I think I kind of figured out that they were on tour in Australia and that they'd won the first test. Um, but we went to go and watch the first test in the bar. Awesome to see. Sort of like, I mean, grown men just <laughs> steaming. Uh, um, <laughs> it would have been about 11am probably. Um, but then we they obviously lost that test and then we went, you know, glutton for punishment. We both went back the next week and they lost again. So I've always felt slightly guilty that those are the two that we decided to tag along for. Yeah, I think it's that's another recurring theme is kind of breakfast time drinking. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is kind of where the Australia and New Zealand tours really kind of come into their own. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's perfectly acceptable to have a pint of Guinness at, uh, at eight in the morning. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's definitely something I'll be looking forward to. 
another thing that we've had as kind of our um, that have kind of cropped up is those players that you really warm to on a particular tour. So you know, for me, I've said a number of times I grew up kind of hating Martin Johnson because he epitomised English rugby and he was so bloody good mm. as well um, and to a certain extent I felt the same I know this is getting sacrilege I felt the same thing about O'Driscoll you know because O'Driscoll always had fantastic performances against Wales um, but it was that wonderful ability that when the Lions tour happens you're allowed to like them again are there any players that you kind of watched and thought yeah this is you know I, I'm going to really enjoy having them on my team I'm going to go back to 2001 again I loved Loved Howley in that mm. back line. I loved, um, but more than that, probably I loved Rob Henderson. It was almost like a, almost like an underdog thing. Yeah. Even then, even then, he looked slightly round <laughs> uh, for an international twelve. Um, but then, if you look kind of fast forward, those sort of guys that have, I guess, come from nowhere to play a big part in the test guys like Ryan Jones. Yeah, loved watching him in two thousand and five, despite all the the chaos and the rubbish that was going going on around him. Um, 2009 got Simon Shaw um, who was fantastic in that second test despite um, despite defeat and that's always really interesting I just love I love watching guys I, I guess when you know you don't, when, you're, when you're young you don't really remember all this kind of foray around the, the initial mm. selections but you just see somebody surge through and you see somebody kind of take their place in, in the test reckoning and then excel um, that's awesome I love that yeah, I, yeah I, I'm a big fan of you know, obviously the the term bolter is banded around from around about a year before the Lions tour starts. But I do really like those players who acquit themselves on the tour. And you think of like the the Tom Smiths and the um, and the Paul Wallace and Jeremy Davidson, who all kind of seem to seem to come from nowhere because they kind of embodied what the Lions are all about. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Tom Smith's a great one. Um, and I mean, this this time, what's going to be so fascinating is that they're. That, like you say, the term bolter kind of gets yeah. st- like strapped onto strapped onto online articles for a long time before the tour. So we've kind of know who, if they do well, are going to be yeah. bolters. But they're also guys that come in for as injury replacements who could well play a big part in the test. Almost certainly, there will be an injury replacement who plays in one of those three tests. So always it's, good fun. It is. It's interesting how you mentioned kind of the you know online articles and obviously you kind of working in that world. Does it? Yeah, do you think the the way that the media has changed has changed the way you enjoy Lions as a as a fan? I'm thinking particularly with you know with social media, it's great that everyone has this platform to kind of um, to have an opinion and to have their say and stuff. But I sometimes get the feeling, particularly in 2013, that it it added a little element of um, uh, it almost came a little bit toxic at time with people remaining kind of really uh, really kind of overly supportive of their national sides. Mm. It's an interesting point. I mean, it's what I don't really. I mean, it's really interesting to hear Eddie Jones kind of talking about this. Kind of how he was saying, accusing it was Chris Jones doing the interview, but saying um, the media loves the Lions. The media mm. loves the Lions, and it is. But actually, if you look at if you look at these tours sort of happening around the world, and then arguably, you know, Wales in in South Sea Islands. Um, Ireland and Japan on yeah. everything, and then England in, in, in Argentina, Scotland off to South Africa. I think yeah, they're so important those games mm. for the for the for developing depth up to the World Cup. And the Lions is this big on a, on a big pedestal. What I don't, what I really don't enjoy as a journalist is trying to pick teams a year out because you yeah. know it's going to be you know it's going to be popular. It's going to know you're going to be a lot of eyes on it, but you're going to be wrong. You're 100 yeah. percent going to be wrong. 
and even the rationale uh, you find you find yourself picking these teams out and going oh well that back row is really balanced and those second rows might complement each other and you think it's a fake team they're, yeah. not, play, they're not playing they're not playing against anybody I, know, I think that's kind of the thing that we like we really like enjoying on here and we, we kind of enjoy doing on here and and when Dan's here, we often start sentences with, uh, we have the luxury of being dreamers, mm. you know, and I think that's kind of the, that's the, the romance for us is we get to kind of sit here and it's a glorified pub chat for us, really. It's those, it's those conversations you get to have in the pub, um, which for me, you know, I think social media has, has helped to a certain degree. I just like to think, you know, whatever happens, whatever my opinion is on the, the test side, it doesn't mean squat, really. Mm. Where, when that first test happens, I'll be a hundred percent behind them because they're wearing the red of the lions. Absolutely, the um, classic one recently for me was going all in on Falatau six foot in polar eight, Falatau six foot in polar eight, and sort of writing an article about how it'd be brilliantly balanced, and then putting it to to McGeek in, in a, an event we had at work, and he and he just looked at me and went, oh, "That won't happen." And that was before he really? before he, that was before he got injured, but he did. It's interesting though because again, you know. Um, Stuart Barnes said the other day, "Oh yeah, that would definitely have, that would definitely have happened." So you know, and these these are guys who are not only journalists but have also you know have involvement on Lions tours as well. So it does go to show you just you can never tell anyway. No, then the, the atmosphere, kind of the insular atmosphere of a squad, is something that you can only guess yeah. at, and something that only Warren Gatland, even even Warren Gatland won't know the ins and outs of you know who's talking behind his back, what's going on behind the closed doors of the rooms when two lads are rooming together who feel pissed off about selection. You know, yeah. Um, that's what makes it so fascinating, the real human element of it all. I think so. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this as well because, you know, Billy Villapola is, is an absolute massive loss. Like, you know, as you say, for any side, you'd feel that loss. But I also think that Toby is going to be one of those players who fans, are, you know, fans of England and, and Ireland and Scotland are going to turn around and go, geez, I know what you, mm. I know what the fuss is about. Because again, you know, I remember watching Richard Hill when I was growing up as a kid going, oh, why does everyone rate this guy? So, and then you watch him one game and you think, my God, the work he gets through. And I think Toby's going to have one of those tours, provided he stays fit. Because mm. the guy is class, you know, mm. he, he really is. So hopefully he's going to be one of those uh, one of those players who uh, yeah, can, can change a few minds. I, ju- I just don't under- understand the perception that he's a luxury player and the, and the perception that there's, there's not any mongrel about him. That was I, I just thought that was a really kind of yeah. lame barb from Zinzang Brook. But if you watch the third test back from 2013... It was fantastic, and it wasn't mm. just—it wasn't showy things. It was smashing rooks. It was making tackles around the fringes. It was making uncomplicated carries. Um, and actually, um, if you watched, the, if you watched um, Wales pasting England 2013, I have that many job. times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm he, he did a similar job yeah. there. Tipperick and um, Sam Orbison got big, big props for how they played. Falatau was immense. Yeah, day. absolutely immense. I think that's it. You know, for me, Toby's one of those players who. Vinopolo really catches the eye because he will make a break and it will be 20 yards or he'll smash through two or three players but what Toby does is he will give you five yards when you really need it when the scrum is going backwards or um, you know when you're struggling to get over the gain line he'll give you those five yards that makes life a lot easier for the backs and that's what I kind of you know again I, you know, watching with the Dragons he's had no shortage of, um, of times where he's picking the ball out of uh, you know from underneath the hooker's feet yeah. so uh, yeah I, I do think he's, uh, he's going to be one of those players Bring it back to kind of those favourite memories, though. Do you have kind of one that that really stands out as a moment of kind of just sheer joy? The moment that you're really, you know, you 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 could really put up there as your favourite memory as a Lions fan. Oh, I, I, do you know what? I've got many positive ones. I've got really. really let's start with the heartache then. Let's let's start with the heartache. 
uh, I've, I've sort of got really searing memories of um, George Gregan and, and Tutai Kefu celebrating at the final whistle yeah. in 2001. I actually got, I actually got to um, ask him about it the other day because I got a whole <laughs> month since I was you know, a little kid watching that. I was convinced that he blew a, he uh, made a gun salute. Oh, right. asking about it. So what was that? And he said, oh, well, actually, mate, it was a cigar. So apparently he'd gone, they had this tradition in that Wallaby team of smoking victory cigars in the changing room. And apparently George Gregan had just gone off on one to the team and he was saying, I'm not, I'm not having us lose. You know, it's 1-1. We're winning this game. We're having a cigar afterwards. And he said that um, Kefu was his, like, wingman in that regard. And when he turned around, I think it was Andrew Walker either ran the ball out or kicked it out. Gregan turned around the first first person he saw just happened to be his big mate yeah and um yeah jumped to them and then did that salute and I, that's just one of those it's burned into my memory that and um the need it was nathan gray they got in the in the need um richard, richard Hill, Hill. Elbow, elbow, elbow yeah it's it it like the turning point of the whole series yeah. isn't it yeah because when you when you when we watch games now you always you know watching them for work or whatever you talk, talk about oh god momentum shifts and they're really yeah. kind of tangible things watching that um that series, those two games that the Lions lost, there were so many of them, and they were so almost so obvious. Like even at the time, like when you know you don't you, when you're younger and you're watching Richard Hill play, you you alluded to it. Yeah. You don't really know what he's doing, but you know he's having an effect on, yeah. on things. And for him to go off was just you just thought, oh, that is that's gonna sting, <laughs> and it did. Yeah, yeah, it certainly did. Yeah, I, I think those those kind of moments. It's funny you mentioned the. George Gregan um, post-match team because actually, funny enough, we when we did one of these a few weeks ago, Dav, who's usually on the pod, said um, that one of his memories was the Lions, the third Lions test in 2009. He got really wound up by uh, Shane Williams and Mike Phillips doing like a we're number one salute when they've just lost the test series. It's funny how those kind of those moments at full time really yeah. kind of stick with you. Yeah, it is that that test. Um... I guess not so much joy because, like you say, they were two 0 down, and there was, there, but there was a lot of defiance to be really proud of for fans and really admirable of if you're watching on as, as a neutral. I thought Mike Phillips in that tour was just phenomenal. Yeah. Again, the last end of the last game that they won wasn't he at twelve, and Harry Ellis was yeah, at nine. that's right. Yeah, there was just so much to be how they could have just gone. That could have gone to pot that last game. South, and that, that South Africa team was fantastic as well the world champions were so they did make a huge amount of changes for that yeah, third test yeah. but um, I know exactly what you mean actually we had we had a big debate about this because Dan mentioned that it was his favourite Lions memory was kind of winning a was winning a test in a series we'd already lost yeah. Dav mentioned that it, there's no way it could be because it was a weakened South African yeah. team but yeah I'm more inclined to agree that actually redemption was the word that yeah. I, I felt at that point yeah. you really felt you know Phil Vickery coming off and shouting at the mm. crowd saying fuck off beast mm. you know because he had such a, a torrid time in that first test you know and Shane Williams getting on the score sheet he'd had a horrible tour mm. um, you know and Hugo Monia as well who'd you know who'd had his chances in the first test so I know exactly what you meant and and kind of looking back at it having not won a test since that first test in 2001 it felt like it was it was almost something that, that kept that Lions legacy alive because if you'd have lost that series 3-0 people have said let's stop doing this yeah I mean you said it always come back to living with the Lions chat but the, we subsequently found out that you know Sarina McGee giving that speech and just collapsing into yeah. Graham Rancher's arms they knew it was on the line and you know without without he probably didn't say it out loud um, Sarina McGeekin but 
I'm sure how he was speaking came across yeah. to the players that they were actually playing for the whole concept of of the Lions rather than rather than just a you know one off test match. I think that's the thing that kind of frustrates me when you you hear things like Sir Clive Woodward this week kind of talking almost a little bit flippantly about yeah you know it's it's it almost felt like he was saying yeah it's quite cute and coy this kind of Lions idea but you know it's not the ultimate test of a of um of international rugby but for me it's just so different and that's what makes it so special and when you see mate and you're privileged as a viewer to watch something like Ian McGeek and who's a man who's given his you know large chunks of his life to this institution break down because he has given everything out there you realize you know that is that's what the drama of, of sport is all about mm. yeah it's another another what are you saying another really stupid thing came to me just then to that again it's 2001 and then that I guess that'll be the tour that I kind of you always go back to I guess or everyone's got one of them yeah it's Miles Harrison's voice always I always find totally synonymous with that and there's this bit they're kicking off one of the games I can't remember what it was I remember watching it on the highlights DVD and he said, lions are a rare breed. They only come out every one, every one in four years. And you just think, God, what a line. You yeah, know, it's great, isn't it? just stick with you. And you think what, everything that entails is probably what generates all the hype. Because, you know, what's the other thing that's every four years in rugby? It's the World Cup. Yeah. And that is, that's hugely prestigious. But the fact that it's a, it's a side that only comes together four or four years, four, every four years, and it's so unique, um, I think that's probably what the whole mystique is I think the history as well you know the fact that the Rugby World Cup is still a relatively new thing Mm. for rugby you know it's um, it doesn't have the the history that you know the Football World Cup has or the Olympics and years and years whereas the Lions Tour has been Mm. such a long running institution that I think that kind of legend um, that it carries with it but also I think the way that Lions Tours have changed you you mentioned Miles Harrison again it's it's something that when you hear his voice on those test matches, you go, "Wow, actually, this is yeah. this is um, this is getting me excited about it." But you go back to tours prior to '93, and there's barely any coverage of, or certainly prior to '89, there's barely any coverage of them. Yeah, you know, so it's amazing how much it's changed, and and uh, you know, for our generation, you get to see all of that post tour as well. Yeah, the accessibility is something, I guess, that makes you fall in love with it as a as a neutral as somebody coming into rugby, and <clears throat> that that is very good for it but it's something I think they've got to be careful of yeah. because they've got to keep it special to the players as well they've got to there needs to be some bits that's, that are just for them I'm sure there are there are plenty of them but um, that mystique has to stay the accessibility is great but that mystique has to has to be a shroud of that remaining too I think yeah I think you're right um, let's try and try and end on some uh, some of those more positive memories though I, I think that's it is a real difficult one because I think those heartbreaks tend to to stick around with you so much longer, yeah, um, and they're kind of harder to to get out of um, harder to get out of your head, and yeah. So I mean, look, for me, it is those kind of those moments and those players. So again, John Bentley in '97 always springs to mind, and that try he scored. So for me, it's a personal thing that I love the tour games mm. as much as yeah. as much as the test matches. Yeah, the um, I've got one for you. The first, the first <laughs> look, actually, it's probably, again, it ends in heartbreak. But the first out, uh, the first. Half, first half sort of first 60 minutes of, of the first test of 2009 was fantastic yeah. uh, Tom Crofts tries Mike Phillips just basically smashing up the whole back five of the South African pack it was pretty phenomenal um, yeah and, th- and then that oh god again it's heartbreak but that how they stood up to the barrage in the, in the second the test the second test was phenomenal that was amazing that was something to be, that was something really again if you're looking at pure, you know, 
British and Irish stubbornness and will and resolve, um, the fact that they even managed to stand up to what they, what was coming their way uh, was was pretty amazing. It was, and you talk about momentum shifts. That second test, I was just remember. I mean, there's a couple of things. First off, the um, the gouging instance so early in the game, yeah. and you knew from that. You know, I knew at that point. I was like, he's, he's bottled it, mm. absolutely bottled it. Mm. The words the minute you knew it was gouging I was like he has to go yeah. um, so that was, some, that was something that, that will live with me forever but then how they responded to that played so well but then you know, Robertson and O'Driscoll were terrifying their defence when they both went off injured and then virtually the whole front row went off injured as well you just thought God how are we ever going to hang on in this yeah. game it was Jack Faree's try wasn't yeah. it it was a sort of real heartbreak and then conversion just, and then he kind of already feels like the fate's done and it's slipping away yeah god grim sorry it's been it's been really yeah. depressing <laughs> i know yeah but that, but again i think that's that's what makes the victories so much sweeter is you remember you remember those those heartbreaking yeah. those heartbreaking kind of moments and again actually it's <laughs> god, keep keep coming back to them but something i've completely forgotten until this week because i've tried to blank out that 05 tour as much as possible but that first minute with O'Driscoll, that that for me is the most shocking thing I've witnessed as a Lions fan. Mm. Yeah, um, the, even then, even without sort of being able to go to the TMO for foul play, the fact that that could happen, it, yeah. it was actually quite. It, I remember it sort of bit, you're almost quite scared by the fact that people could get away with that. And I know Eddie O'Sullivan said subsequently, yeah. he thought he, you know, just going to die, yeah. going to die. You, you know, you, you're getting dropped on your on your head from a height. It's, it's it's a seriously kind of dramatic, and you know everything goes out the window. It's all it's all on. It could be life changing. Um, yeah, that was that was sad. He also had kind of on a lighter note, but still kind of pretty pretty depressing. You had Paul O'Connell hitting the ruck, just yeah, kind of flying off his feet in the second test. I think right second. in front of the sticks. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, what I think that would have been were they ten nil up or seven nil up or something like that. You know. If you go fourteen and up, if you score from the next ruck, it's you know could it's entirely different. And even if they won one test in two thousand five, even if they got that consolation win, yeah. which they're nowhere near, even if they got that consolation win in the third test, it's a big deal. Um, but yeah, that just goes to, that goes to show. I think they always say that if two thousand nine was about saving it, then two thousand thirteen was about kind of rebuilding it and rebuilding the fact that it was going to be a successful team as well as a successful brand. And you know, it's, it's kind of all it's all so interesting. Yeah. Always the way twelve year cycles come back round. Well, this is it. So it very neatly leads us on to to this year's tour. What are you most looking forward to as a fan? First of all, what are you most you know? Is there any particular game or anything that you're any moment that you're really looking forward to? It's, it's hard to look beyond that first test just because mm-hmm. so much onus has been put on it. So much onus in the fact that the All Blacks are traditionally rusty and um, traditionally you know they're going to have to win that to have a chance and because it's the first time you see the you know the, the test 15 the one that we've all kind of trying to be picking for whether we want to or not yeah. for the last kind of two years effectively that will be spine tingling I think um, the midweek games are always always going to be good fun I, you know what I think um, Maybe detracts slightly from it the fact that they are playing just Super Rugby franchises. I yeah. would love to see more games against the provincial unions, the likes of you know Auckland, Canterbury, those sorts of things, rather than you know the Crusaders. You know the, they're going to be seriously strong as Super Rugby teams. 
um, and it's great that they've got these games for the for the fans of the, of the franchises but that little bit of grittiness would have been nice I think so and also I love the and what it means to pick up a lion's scalp so you know, I, I used to work with a guy who was an Otago fan years ago and still spoke about that win in, in 93 as being, you know, such a proud moment for a local rugby club. And I do think those things are, those things are special, you know, for, although I, you know, I hope we don't, we're not on the receiving end of any of those things, but it is that fraction more special when it is a, uh, when it is someone's local side rather than a franchise. Yeah. And the, well, it's a bad example because it was the Brumbies that won last time around and they were franchised, but never, never forget the look on, you know, Kujani's face at the final whistle. It yeah. was, it was being, um, you know, he's on the shoulders of his teammates. It was a huge deal. And, and as a, when you're watching it with a with a your Lions hat on, you think, oh, it was a flat performance. Yeah, flat performance from the Lions, wasn't it? But they won't care. Those that Brumbies side. Was care. that the week before the first test as well? Or, I have a feeling. I got a lot yeah. of guys like. Um, that was the first, I think. Yeah. I think so, and because they, they uh, weren't gonna bring on the test players yeah. that they had on the bench were they? and then they sort of had to because they were losing by six points and um, you know, still didn't work they had guys like Christian Wade and Bad Barrett playing who just come over from Argentina I think was that the game, game Shane was on the wing as well yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're really patching up a side by that point and I mean there are some, game, there are some games around that time this time round you know the equivalent I think between the first and second test they're playing so they've got the, they've got the Chiefs the first test then the Hurricanes I mean the way that the Hurricanes are playing you don't want to be going there with a patched up squad no, guys, no. guys aching and everything it's going to be it does kind of keep coming totally back different. to that schedule doesn't it where mm-hmm. you just think you know as brilliant as it is that there's kind of no gimmies maybe just one game in between against the President's Select 15 or something mm-hmm. would just help to you know help to give that extra bit yeah. of recuperation time yeah well, and, to, and again I keep going back to 2001 in this chat but in one game's, in one game's 100 nil yeah. and then and they sort of seemed to build very nicely for the Lions that schedule because he ended up sort of having the Queens and Reds and the Waratahs and sort of got incrementally tougher. And, you know, they can't do anything about the form that the team they're playing yeah. are in. But that just seemed to work very nicely for them. Whereas, yeah, this time around, I mean, the fact that Crusaders game is so early is so difficult. It's so, so difficult. Yeah, and I think that'll be it. That'll be the one where you really get a glimpse of of what that Test 15 might look like. You know, either be it the packs or the backs or uh, some combinations within there. You'll start to get some real indicators there, I think. 100%. One thing to finish on then, how has it changed kind of that um, boy being dragged to a bar in Greece in 2001 to covering it from a professional aspect? Does it, you know, does it change at all? You know, knowing that you've you've got to watch it with your professional hat on, or do you still get those spine tingling moments? Uh, you realise when something's very special. I think, um, yeah, and you realise the kind of you have to take a step back from it because if you get too caught up in in it, it's hyperbole and and people quite rightly laugh at you because you've got carried away. <laughs> um, you miss not being accountable to anybody when you are carried away and just being able to pump your fist and. Um, but you do try and see things a little bit more more clearly, Measured, more yeah. cynically. I mean, it's quite sad to think that, but it, I think it just you know you never I don't think should lose sight of the fact that you should try and see things for how special they are. I think in in our in our job, and we get to see some amazing storylines and amazing individuals actually. And the lines is something that you know it's, it's the pinnacle of. Well, okay, it's, for a lot of people, it's the pinnacle. For a lot of players, it's the pinnacle. And um, this time round, 
it's almost heightened because they're playing the world champions and double world champions and another team that there's so much mystique around. So, um, yeah, I guess a lot of people have journalists even have got license to get carried away this time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I suppose there, there must be a little bit of envy of of not getting to uh, not getting to head out there. As you oh, know, I'm sure huge, a few of your yeah, colleagues yeah, were yeah. massive amount of envy. I've got yeah mates that have got, uh, just just landed now. Guys have been there all week and. Yeah, they're gonna have a lot of time. Never actually been, never actually been to New Zealand. I've got a lot of mates from there, and you, do you know what? You, you always get a feel of how it's going to be by talking to them because not only are they quite forthcoming with their opinions, they're well informed as well. Annoyingly, yeah. so they will be saying, <laughs> they will be telling you why somebody's rubbish and why exactly they're rubbish and why the system that they're playing in is making them look even more rubbish. And you're just like, yeah. I mean, I've sort of learned something there and being put down. So, yeah, I've always kind of quite enjoyed drinking with um, with Kiwi fans because they have a tendency to be very critical of their own team as well. You know, I remember walking out of the Millennium having been stuffed, you know, forty odd points to ten and something, and then you you bump into a bar and go, oh yeah, we were pretty lucky today. You know, we got away with one there. I was like, God, you stuck, you know, yeah. you stuck thirty odd points on yeah, us. You weren't lucky. Yeah, you you weren't lucky. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that's because there is that that little bit of. Um, kindred spiritship, or if that is a word, um, between the the Welsh and the and the New Zealanders, just because it's that kind of small nation and so obsessed with rugby, mm. and that doesn't seem to be there. I think with the English and the All Blacks, no, um, definitely not. It was quite weird at the minute. It's sort of a very kind of England almost trying to imitate them so much. And that's, mm. that's, it hasn't. I don't think it's kind of dimmed with Eddie Jones arriving. Um, I think certainly there when when Stuart um, Lancaster was in charge, and I don't think it's gone away. It seems that every every press conference it seems to be mentioned. You know, this is how the All Blacks do it. Yeah, it's very it's very, it's very strange, and they're kind of they are. I'm sure privately they're very. Well, you know, you can see in the way England are playing that they're very kind of they're building towards their own identity, and they've yeah. been doing that for a long time. Well, pretty much the last couple of years have been establishing this very rock solid identity and way of playing um, but I think it'd be just better so it's, it's in a way what's contributed to it is the fact that they haven't played each, played each other yeah, for so long yeah. and this um, I think Eddie Jones said the other day that you know when it was kind of put to him oh, would you prefer that none of your players went out there and they play, played fresh he said well no because I want them to go out there and know what it feels like to beat to beat New Zealand I think that's you know it's another intriguing subplot if you look at the kind of I guess the World Cup context, Ireland have done it. So England are really itchy to do it. Yeah, I know I think so too. And it's um it's interesting because again with all of this Woodward stuff this week you realise just how much I mean A, how much he was disliked by the All Blacks, but B, he really had no I think he hated the fact that they were put on this pedestal and there was no kind of mollycoddling and I think Matt Dawson mentioned it and said, um you know that they said, "Oh, they they normally stay in Penny Hill Park." And he's like, "Well, I've booked up Penny Hill Park, so they can't." And that's you know, it's such an interesting, interesting approach because if you imagine out of those two head coaches, which one would be the studious and courteous one, and which one would be the abrasive character when you come to it, you'd have those roles reversed between Jones and Woodward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really interesting, and uh, you know, I guess it'll be interesting to see how that plays out on this tour as well, because Gatlin's mentioned numerous times how important it is to kind of that the New Zealand people warm to you. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's possible though? On a on a Lions tour, you know what you go. You, if you look at previous tours, you look at kind of the Lions players that have almost become darlings of the um, of the country they're mm. in. You think of um, Waltz and Driscoll, yeah, 
the Australian fans genuinely warming to him because yeah. he, um, you know, if you, I, I think if you look at someone like if Maratoji has, a, like, they'll either love to hate him or yeah. they'll love him. You know? yeah, yeah. If he if he has a, if he has a few massive games and even if he's doing his usual kind of nuisance thing, just the ruffling. Well, he's not really a hair ruffler, is he? He's definitely a whooper um, <laughs> at scrum penalties and stuff like that. Absolutely enraged kind of opposition fans, but there will be a grudging respect there. I think if, but only if they win. You know, if they if they lose, you know, they're awesome people, New Zealanders. But if if the Lions don't turn up on this tour and they lose kind of three or four games, even leading into the Test series, they're almost going to be treated with a kind of indifference that you know, and the sentiment will be, look, All Blacks, it's your it's your kind of duty to thrash these guys and really kind of make them look in, insignificant. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, and it's it's interesting because Warburton as a captain, you know, that was mentioned as as one potential reason, and obviously he's a much more measured, um, a measured captain. He's not, you know, he's, he very rarely kind of gives you any. He must be hard work for a journalist to get a scoop out of because he's very measured in his approach. Oh, he's, good. He's, good. he's good to talk to. Yeah, he's because he's, he's he's so. I guess it might be because he's measured because he's so comfortable in his own skin that he'll talk about anything and he'll talk about anything. But in a very measured way, and actually give you gives you insight because he's honest and he's comfortable comfortable in himself. I think he's a, he's a he's a he's the only choice for me. He was the only choice yeah. for me from a long from a long way out. But what's kind of obviously um, galvanised that, I guess, is how well he's been playing. I can't wait to watch him. What do you uh, what do you make of that? I mean, this is obviously this is something we covered kind of six months or so ago. But for me, I, he should 100% still be Wales captain as well. I don't buy into this. He was playing really poorly. He's played better without the captaincy. I really don't think he wanted to lose it this time. Mm. And I really, honestly, I just think he's he's the best the best person to lead both Wales and the Lions. Mm. And I think it's just coincidental that he happens to have come into a really good vein of form during the Six Nations. And I, you know, personally, I don't think it has anything to do with the captaincy. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I agree. I don't think they were related at all. But I think maybe if you look at it from the point of view of that's the team um, that's the team kind of giving him one less press conference to do a week yeah. so I think uh, that's the only that's that's one kind of reason I could see of doing it just taking him out of the um, line like whether he wants to or not you know in, in either way what they've done is getting back in form so I guess uh, from that point of view it doesn't matter how he's done it I know maybe well Six Nations might have gone a bit better had he been there but you know, um, I think it's an interesting one because captaincy in in sport can be, you know, it can look like a really trivial decision, and especially when someone of Alan Jones's stature is taking over as as captain. But then you you know, without knowing what what goes on in the dressing room and and how things um, yeah. and how these are, it's kind of impossible to say, isn't it? Yeah, there are a lot of things we are, you know, even even if you've got your um, it's the grounds journalist, a lot of things you're not not privy to, um, and you know, there would have been reasons that we're not privy to that, that, that they made that they made that decision. But um, yeah, one thing, one thing, uh, you know, what's going to have a big bearing on this this um, series is how well whoever is captain. I know they've said that he's not guaranteed to start. Um, Sam isn't, but it's the way he's he's so good at talking to referees. Yeah. Um, we've got two Frenchmen and Jacko Piper. I think did the first. Um, so it sounds pretty much unrivaled in that department. It's just mm. very good, very clear, um, very empathetic. Manages to 
relay relay what his side of thinking and also what the referees uh, thinking to his side. Um, that could be in games that you'd hope we're going to be tight. Hope yeah. they're going to be tight. That could be really important. I think the fascinating thing for me as well was seeing on the 2013 Lions documentary because you know one minute you've got. Sam Warburton and Dan Liddy at rooming together having their cup of tea at night and you just think you know they're it's so a million miles removed from the debauchery of Keith Wood and Scott mm, Gibbs in yeah. 97 and then the next minute you see both of those players actually Liddy leading the midweek side and Warbs leading their test side and you see a completely different side to him moments yeah. before kickoff. and I, I really enjoyed watching yeah. that no that's fantastic that you you know it's you pick your moments, I guess, when you when you're captain, and when more so when you're captain inside like the Lions, when you've got leaders and very experienced players from around the world who are used to different styles of leadership. You you need to pick your moments. I think Paul O'Connell, I think it was Paul O'Connell said said uh, subsequently that you know some necessary talk um, more than the the cap the other guys who's been captained. Um, Captain by with the Lions but when he did speak yeah that you could hear a pin drop every time yeah I think that's uh, that's a pretty spine tingling moment to uh, to finish on Charlie it's been great chatting to you thank you very much indeed uh, for coming down and thank you as well for listening so as always let us know what you think uh, on Twitter at Attacking Scrum so let us know some of your favourite Lions memories and what you're looking forward to ahead of this tour uh, also you can do so on Facebook by uh, by searching for Attacking Scrum on there and as we always say if you um, if you leave the review we'll give you a shout out as well so just uh, to finish on that note I had a nice review this week uh, by the brilliantly titled Jeff Wheel is Innocent um, which, uh, which very much made me chuckle uh, it says essential weekly listening for any Welsh rugby fan a uh, completely different approach to the mainstream media. Just, that's, that includes you in there, Charles. So. <laughs> um, and the mainstream coverage of the game, um, particularly smart on the, the structure uh, and politics of the regions, which is very much Dan and Dav's input, certainly not me. Uh, always entertaining, occasionally miserable, uh, great work. So thanks very much for doing that. And as you say, if you leave the review, we'll, uh, we'll definitely give you a shout out. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, enjoy the Lion series and we look forward to speaking to you soon. Network.